Welcome, everyone, to the final episode of what we're calling Season 3 of The Working Audio Tools. Thank you for joining us over the last uh, 13, this will be 14 episodes that we've done on our own guys on YouTube and on Spotify as well. We're going to do a year roundup of what we've learned, things we've taken away, because if you haven't listened to every episode, there's been gold, pearls of wisdom in every single episode, whether it be from uh, the, the lovely people we've interviewed or things that we've learned that have helped us develop our mixes over the last year. Just want to give a quick shout to DistroKid who have sponsored us this far and will be sponsoring us continuing on into next year. Remember, you can get 30% off your first year subscription using the VIP link in the podcast show notes and video description. Paul, I feel like we've both come a long way this year as mix engineers and we've done some exciting things. We've been to the NAMM show. That was mind-blowing. Uh, probably the highlight was going to Abbey Road to see Jason yeah, Joshua. Amazing. But what would you say, what, what's your number one takeaway or, or top three, should we say, learning-wise for you uh, of 2023? Right, so I'd say the number one, I would say, has been less is more. Um, it's something that you get constantly told, but it's only until you put it into practice and you focus more on um, level, fader, panning, um, so less is more has definitely been um, a big thing for me. I do feel that from the last mix that we uh, we did, the the Wilf Raby mix, um, I was like, yes, this is arguably one of the best mixes I've done and I've not had to do much. I'd say panning has been actually a big thing for me this year because I think me and you both have been in a place where we've struggled with panning a little bit where um, we've tried the LCR approach. We've, you know, tried... Um, narrow not too narrow keeping it wide and i kind of think that i'm starting to come to a bit of a a good ground with panning where the kind of the dave pensado trick if you've got a guitar instead of even if it's a stereo guitar you'll mono it say put one guitar say just a little bit off center i don't know maybe like 30 percent to left or right so if it's a guitar left maybe 30 percent and then maybe 70 80 percent you'll have like a reverb or a delay on the other side and it's giving you like kind of a fake kind of stereo. But I just feel that it does kind of help records just sit a little bit better. And it gives it a little bit of vibe. It gives things a little bit of depth. So that's worked for me. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed about your last few mixes is that you've used those with automation in the chorus, I mm. believe. And it's really helped them lift and create some stereo mid-side imaging, which is great. And I, and I also think that probably the third thing would be in terms of the effects, again, I, I do, ladies and gentlemen, thems and days, I do listen to Ed, okay? I know some, <laughs> I know sometimes we, wow. we will um, disagree slightly, again, in the in the heat of the moment. Um, you heard it from the horse's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> uh, but I think he was definitely spot on about effects and the loudness of effects and, you know, taking a step back and kind of trying to have things, you know, felt felt yeah. more than her. Yeah, that's been a big thing besides choice moments of creativity yeah, and I think yeah. that for me the translation is better when you do that the, the, what's really helped me to do that has been using a lots of different monitoring so I was really lazy and I was always like I wanted one pair of headphones and that's it so I was using the hyphenins the HEs but I was like right okay I know that the the HE1000 SE has got the best sim stage I've ever heard but the Ananda Nanos from Hyphenman, I've got the best slam, the best punch, the best transients. Um, and then these that I've got in my ears, they work the best I've ever heard with the real phones. 
So by going through those three different references, mm. it allows me to hear different elements of a mix. And I could, you know, sit back and go, right, okay, with the Anandananos, I could say, right, I'll listen to kind of the punch, the feel of the record, the kind of close-up transients um, with the HEs, the overall mix, the, the sound stage, again, um, depth, you know, um, the width of the mix, um, panning, um, reverb effects. And then with these, um, with real phones, I could get a bit of a better translation in regards to speakers. And that's normally where I go, ah, okay, I do need to bring that effects down. It's something that you need to kind of go through at first. Then you understand it. It's very hard to understand something when you can't hear it. And it's only till it clicks, you go, ah, I know like what I was doing. So with these and real phones, I was hearing what Ed was talking about, where sometimes, you know, re- again, especially the whiskey mix was a big, Eye opener, but it was like what live from Wembley Stadium, and <laughs> it was just be sorry, about, sorry about that comment. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you are right. I listen back to that now and go, wow, that's really washy. Um, where I should have dialed it back. Um, and again, I learned a lot from Ed uh, this year on drums, especially in terms of your reverb. Again, don't put reverb on the overheads. Put it on, you know, the full drum mix, and then have different um, reverbs. There's, there's definitely no solid rule. I, I don't think I said don't do it. It's just it's it's not something I do because I I put a room reverb. Yeah, but on you were right. Thing. In my personal opinion, when I was not doing it on the overheads, what was happening was doing it on the entire uh, drum mix. It just helped um, put the drums in the same room, which is something that you talked about. Yeah, yeah, creates a cohesiveness. It does, and I yeah. think you know these are the things that you need to kind of you know make your mistakes and then go ah right okay I hear it now. And I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, looking back on this year and being, you know, happy that you've made mistakes because we've been able to fix a lot of the mistakes. So for you this year, what have been kind of the the, the mistakes that you've made that you would say, I fixed them I'm, and I'm happy that I made those mistakes because it has really helped me in, you know, my mixing journey? Now, mistakes is an interesting word because I would label them as learning opportunities. Yeah, if you want to be kind mistakes. to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, I, I want to be kind to myself. I hope everyone is kind to themselves. It's too easy to be absorbed by the horrible little nagging yeah, voices in your head. A few things I've learned from you, which what the two obvious ones are getting a consistent vocal sound. Paul taught me the wonders of IH's ceiling of ceilings of sound, which took me a four or five mixes to get but right. when you get to it. And you have to... Yeah, it really does help put vocals in a ballpark. And then I was just just kind of reiterating things that I was kind of doing anyway, like a, a very short reverb felt more than mm. heard, a longer one and a delay. And the parallel compression ideas, you know, having a one compressor one way uh, all the way left and another one all the way the other side and automating those for the chorus, maybe a few dB. That's definitely helped me get a consistent, full-sounding vocal moving forward, and I'm actually really happy with the vocal sounds I've had on the last few tracks now. Uh, added to that is what we learned from Jason at um, the Mix with the Masters at Abbey Road, and one plugin in particular, which we actually did a walkthrough of in our first oh, Spectre, episode yeah. back, which is Spectre. I now use that on, uh, but on bass bus, keys bus. You can even use it on drums, but vocals. Yeah, it, it's just delightful. Speaking of plugins I want to get into next year, Surfer EQ, it creates harmonic, moves the harmonic content with the notes. Right, okay. So if you're playing um, an A, everyone knows an A at 440 or 432, if you're going to be anal about it, when you play that, it'll play 
second order harmonics above. I think you can set it right, maybe, okay. different harmonics above that, and it moves with the note. All right, okay. So you constantly get that clarity okay, get what you mean rather than yeah. just having harmonics at certain frequencies that are then only highlighted when those frequencies are, are played. And that's a trick I got from Dave Erringer. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. The Control yeah, Room just... Christmas Party. <sighs> Which was another fantastic experience. The perks of living in London, eh? I'm sitting here in Scotland, like fucking meeting <laughs> fucking sheep down the road, and Ed's just like in all these London <laughs> fucking studios. Peter Gabriel, go and just list. This is the end of the year, Ed. Go and list all the great studios that you've been to this year, because it's a lot. Um. So, well, let's start with um, just for the record, in LA, yeah, uh, in LA. One probably the best sounding room I've ever been in. Still. Apogee Studios, um, which oh, Apogee Studios, my god, yeah, with which has various Atmos rooms in. Obviously, Bob Clear Mountain's mm-hmm. based there, and there's a live room as well, and he's got his Atmos mixing room in there. Then I went to an API event at Rack Studios. No, I'd never been into Rack, so that was interesting. That was hanging out with the guys at SX Pro Audio. Shout out to those guys. Real World Studios Gabriel's, did yeah. a couple of days. Uh, Peter Gabriel's studio did a couple of days. Actually doing photos and assistant engineering for um, the launch of one of their of their condenser microphone. That was two days at Real World. Um, that was interesting. Just we had the whole place to ourselves. Basically, they were just doing maintenance that week. Then I went to Angelic Studios again with Universal Audio, assisting and doing videos and behind the scenes photos and stuff. I've been at Metropolis as well. I engineered a friend of mine recording there who uh, got a space on the. Spotify for Artists program where they're basically um, sponsoring artists to have a day in the studio at Metropolis. And here's a funny story. We went into the, the room and it's basically in the basement of Metropolis and it's basically the room no one cares about. And it's got um, a Spotify sign on the corner. Um, there's a really nice Lewitt Pure Mic. Uh, there's a really nice 1176, a custom Metropolis 1176 that I immediately patched in on Simon's vocal. And it sounded great. It was so smooth. And the guy was showing us how to, how to set everything up. And he pointed at this interface and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, plug your computer into that. And I said, why have you got that? And he obviously thought I didn't have a clue what I was talking about and said, oh, that's because you can't plug microphones into your computer. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, no, I know that. Um, but like, why have you got that interface? It's a Focusrite Scarlet. And he said, Oh, oh, yeah, because that, that turns the analog signal into digital ones and notes. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, I understand that, starting to think. Telling the interface me. guy, like the interface guy on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I was like, there's not many people who know more about interfaces in <laughs> in anywhere, really, like, other than the guys making them and designing them. But I, was, I, was, I said, no, why have you got that? It's a crap interface, given the rest of the yeah. gear. And he said, oh, I don't know, that's just what we've got. So then I, But then I realised later, either... No one's put any thought into it and they've just put the cheapest interface in. Or someone has put thought into it and realised that every bedroom producer and artist has a Focusrite yeah, Scarlet, yeah. so they know how to use it. And I was like, someone's either been a genius or an was idiot. That the Jay-Z? <laughs> was that the Jay-Z mic one that you, had, that you went to Metropolis for? No, Jay-Z mics. Uh, no, that was my friend's studio up in West London. And then you also, I mean, you visited our good friend um, Andrus as well, didn't you? Oh yeah, then I saw Andres at his studios in Kendall. He's got a great setup if you're anywhere near the Lake District. Lovely man. Available for mixing online as well. Shouldn't be offering other people's <laughs> mixing services <laughs> on this podcast, but there's, there's a shout to Andres. I went to Cube Studios for a product shoot for something coming out in January. 
I can't mention what that is, and I may be the face of quite a major brand yes. with that <laughs> promo. Up in the air, TBC. And I've been to Strong Room Studios twice, once for the Gold Clip 2 release with Ryan. That was great. Uh, with M, uh, MSM, uh, who we had on earlier. And again, for the Dave Erringer thing with the Control Room group for the, the Masterclass and then the Christmas and party. And then Gear Fest. Shout out to Control you Room. You were at Gear Fest? Uh, the, yeah, Gear Fest as well in July. Oh, and then I've been over to the present day production oh. guys studios talking about speakers and... Um, yeah, I've met a lot of people in the industry this year, actually. A lot. Some through the podcast. You can tell Ed doesn't have kids, ladies and gentlemen. Eh? <laughs> like, my God, see if I was out the house that much, my wife would be like, uh, I don't know, Paul, maybe like a studio a month, Paul, right? <laughs> That's plenty, Paul. That's absolutely... No, but I'm really happy for Ed, though, because I think one big thing that I would say that we've definitely learned this year through the podcast is the importance of networking and Ed is, you know, yeah. utilising every opportunity, which is what we have been told from every big engineer. You know, obviously... I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I, st I still get ignored by some people. <laughs> I've still obviously annoyed people talking about business maybe a little bit too much, but that, fuck it. That's, that's who I am, um, and I'm not going to apologise for that. Anyway, how, how did we get... That was a big tangent. I feel like there was one more studio. The other thing, the other big thing I think I've learned is with Jason's masterclass was gain staging. Mm. And a big thing for me that has really helped is basically loading all the files into a session and clip gaining them all to peak at minus 12. And then from there, I can send anything to anywhere, process anything. And I have loads of headroom to play with. And then I'm not having, to, you know, getting to the end of a mix and you're, you know, plus six on your stereo outputs. So you're having to, you know, lower the faders on your, your groups to, or your buses to, to fix stuff like I used to do. So that's useful. That's helping me with consistency. Paul's vocal techniques and Jason's techniques are helping me with consistency. And the other thing that's really helping with consistency and fighting my old smiley face cut, besides getting rid of the Neumanns, which is controversial yeah, on my channel, people are hating on me on that video <laughs> for blaming the Neumanns. Because so many people have them. So, not... so many people. I didn't realize yeah. how many people have those fucking Neumanns. Until you released yeah. that video. I wasn't blaming the speakers, and I didn't say the speakers were crap. They're not. What I said was they don't work for me in my room. Which room. is the most important. That is a yeah. semantic, but it's a very important one. Of course it is. Which I have to remind people of when they say, here's oh, a crap if you're blaming the speakers, whatever. The joys of being a YouTuber. Uh, the new speakers have definitely helped. Trinov's blown my mind. Holy crap. That just Even now, like I'm hearing pro mixes and being like, the guitars are phasing. Now, sometimes it's intentional, but sometimes it clearly isn't. But the third thing that's really helped, which you've helped me with actually, is really, and again, Jason was hammering home, is clipping and, as Jason said, effectively mastering your drums yep. and bass before it goes to your master output. And clipping has been a big part of that, and I've now got clipping going on. Not all the time, and not on every track, but a lot of the times I have it going on. Kick, snare, even Tom's. They, those three then go into a shells bus. I'll have a little bit of clipping on there. And we're talking like a dB or That's two. That's plenty. Absolute but, plenty. Uh, definitely with caution. If I can hear it, it's probably yeah, too correct. much. But a dB or two, half a dB is great uh, at those stages. And then the, those three shells buses go into a, a shells bus. That goes into a drum bus. I'll do a bit more on that. I might use a bit of clipping on an instrument bus. Right, okay. And I might use a bit more on the master bus, but... For that, my go-to now is gold. Clip. Right, okay. So you're using that quite so a lot now. Shout yeah. out to Ryan. Yeah. Now, I've had a few revelations this year in terms of 
the state of the industry. I I was coming into this mixing journey thinking, yeah, yeah, but I, you know, we'll, we'll be able to charge 250 quid a, a mix and, you know, pretty easily get that up to like five, 600 quid. <laughs> wow. How, how naive was I? I was on Fiverr the other week. We briefly mentioned it last week and I saw a guy in India doing mixers. Now, admittedly, this was two, two tracks. So I assume a beat and a, and yeah. a vocal uh, for 16 pounds. Now, I can't compete with that, and I'm not going to compete with that. I think he had like 10 stems was 45 quid a mix. So the beauty of being in an economically expensive place to live (laughs) means I can't compete with people the other side of the world. But the beauty of, you know, the glow that how small the world is because of the internet is people who are in, you know, I've seen some guys in Eastern Europe doing great mixes for like, 50 quid, and for that, for them, that's probably a good yeah, day rate. Totally. It's tricky for us, and I haven't quite decided where that leaves us, but I, then I think it's all just down to word of mouth. Of course and it is. Networking. A reputation. Yep. And annoyingly, networking, but annoyingly, you have to be so good you can't be ignored. Yeah, true. And that is where this is such a frustrating process because I've had this thought of where I got to with my photography, which was uh, many years ago um, when I consider doing it full-time I got to a point doing headshots where I was very good at it and for anyone interested if you go on Ed Thorne photography on Insta you can see my work it's still there it's good but to get really good I just needed 10 years of experience Mm. so I got bored and switched off and got back into music again and I had had that moment I drew that comparison just in the last couple of weeks thinking am I going to get bored of mixing because I can't get good enough at it quick enough okay am I going to lose my interest in it and i don't think i will because it's music's first love yeah, totally but but it will you know never fully take over from playing drums i don't think yeah ending the year on a more of a positive note than looking on fiverr for, <laughs> totally, for, yeah. for your competition at, at 16 pound a mix um yeah I've, I've found been trying to find some self-belief and something else i realized this week was i was at the control room christmas party and i was looking around the room and i had a moment of insecurity thinking oh what do people think of this bellend who's on youtube and, yeah imposter syndrome you know, a little if, bit if, yeah because yeah, i posted a video with some of my mixes on you know as my mix portfolio end of 23 examples so people can find it and then i just thought how many people are thinking that's rubbish and how many people in this room have heard that and thinking it's rubbish and are laughing and i had this horrible moment i was like why are you doing this to yourself yeah. this is awful then I realized that actually that is probably just a projection of how I think and the fact that if there was a YouTuber in the room, I would have looked at his mixes and I would be judging them and I would probably be thinking, he's a YouTuber, not a mix engineer. So I'm therefore, because that's how I would think, I'm therefore assuming everyone else in the room is thinking the same thing, which is most likely not true. Some people will be and I will call myself (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the one thing that me and Ed have both definitely taken on this year is that you know getting yourself a career in this industry youtube does have to take a backseat eventually and you know this podcast is great because it's it's forcing us to mix you know it's it's, it's making ensuring that we're mixing and we're in a safe environment where me and ed could help each other and then again we're, we're networking with engineers in the industry again we're taking as much knowledge and wisdom uh, as we can and what's great i love about our um interviews is that if we are struggling on something 
um, at that kind of point of our you know mixing journey, we'll normally ask those questions. And it's great to have like pro experienced engineers when you're struggling that you could just go, what do you do on that? And how do you feel about that? And that and that. Like um, with Prizzy, um, with low end. Um, and I kind of feel that I've kind of mastered, not mastered low end, but I have a better idea of how to manage low end. And it was genuinely just about maintaining the sustain of the low end and how much that's got an impact on the mix. Even with me, you know, it, it's something that I had to, you know, I had, every, we all deal with imposter syndrome, especially as YouTubers, because of the way that many uh, people may view us in the industry. But, you know, just go by the, the people that we've had on the podcast. And at the end of the day, a lot of them already knew who we were and a lot of them already liked what we did. Like um, MSM, like he, he watched me and Ed, he knew who we were. And when we went to Nam, we couldn't believe the amount of people that um, knew who we were. And I remember we were at Apogee Studios. I remember that's when we... I think you won that, didn't you? Though very you, slightly. You, more people recognise you. Just than very me. slightly. I think. Uh, I think when we went to that Mexican dive bar, I think that was where I kind of I just took the edge. The funny thing about Nam was there was one day when I walked around with my branded channel branded cap on. Nobody said anything. <laughs> but the days I walked around without my cap on and my you know, Expendables bad guy haircut going on. People recognise me, so clearly it's a trademark and I need to embrace but it. But I do think it's something that um, I have realised is such a benefit to our career as well. And the reason that me and Ed have managed to network with so many amazing engineers and so many great opportunities like Nam were open to us is because of YouTube. Now, I was speaking to Ed off air mm. before this and I do feel that YouTube is becoming very, very, very saturated with everybody doing the same thing which I think is, yeah. is is wrong. I know everybody's trying to make out that they've got an influence on YouTube and they've got authority on mixing when really they're in the same boat as their, their audience, which is like me and Ed try and be on the same page as all of you uh, listening and watching because at the end of the day, we're all in this journey together. So it's important that we share that journey and you know it's not about one person being better than the other and you know you follow me because I tell you what to do, my little minions. No, but like we're all in the same journey. We all want the same end result. Should we name and shame the channel that does that quite blatantly? Nah, let's just leave it. I can't be no, bothered with any drama because I know next year I'm going to have a shit ton of drama. <laughs> Distro Kids sponsor the Working Audio Tools podcast, and you can get thirty percent off your first year subscription using the VIP link in the YouTube video description and podcast show notes. DistroKid makes distribution of your music easy with unlimited uploads and you get to keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. Join over a million artists who rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram and all other streaming platforms now and in the future. The new DistroKid app is available on iOS. Go and download it from the App Store now. From here, you can upload new releases. You can see your DistroKid earnings and withdraw these earnings. You can view and share your hyperfollow links. You can check your streaming statistics from Spotify and Apple and even add and edit lyrics and song titles. So keep track of your releases on the move with the new DistroKid app available on iOS. Download it from the App Store now. How long have you done YouTube now? I'll be I'll be four years in February. I I think three. I think three. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know, I remember when me and Ed were both in uh, Control Room, which is basically this online kind of Facebook forum um, that Ramesh Dodd and Goda created, and that's where it all kind of started for me. I remember Ed was kind of posting videos, and I was like, man. This guy like is making like 
his YouTube videos look super crisp and the look of it. I always really liked the look of it. I remember he used to message Ed and I think Ed at Thank the time you. was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. Fucking random Scottish guy. Okay, cool. Well, I had some straight talking guy message me on Facebook one day and I was like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I, I think you paid me a compliment and said, I was, I, I might have been a backhanded compliment in hindsight, knowing you a bit better. <laughs> it, it was, I think it was something along the words of, you're the only YouTuber I can tolerate watching. <laughs> and I was like, I'll take that as a compliment. And now I'll take that as a massive compliment. But I think it's one of those where there aren't many UK YouTubers in the audio industry. And I think that's kind of where me and Ed are, we resonate. You know yeah, what I mean? That's true, and I think yeah. that's why this podcast works so well. Because, you know, and again, I do watch a lot of American YouTubers, but there's a different style. I don't know if it's a different style or it's just a way of delivering content. I don't know. I think the UK. YouTubers do things slightly different. I mean, for example, let's look at Michael, who we had on the podcast from In The Mix, Michael Wine. Um, again, over a million subs. Would we say that Michael is the most successful? Like, in terms of, like, audio production, you know, like, audio education, I think he's got the most. Uh, well, in British guys. Even, I think, American, because Warren, Warren's up to 770, I mean, de- Definitely I British, uh, but in total, the only people more are um, Andrew Huang, Rick Beato, but they're not really in our field, really. Rick's not really in our field, really, is he? It's more kind of I see Rick kind of more like music theory, um, where yeah. we again, it's not as much audio engineering. It's more about songwriting and like production a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael probably is 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 at the top. Yeah, and and he's the nicest, oh, humblest so nice, guy man. ever. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was he's like when we went smart, to LA. Really well, I remember I met we met Warren for the first time, and Warren is the exact same on camera as he is um, in yeah. real life. And he's tall as well. Like, I, like I'm like i 5'11". I didn't realise Warren was as tall as what he was. I was like, fuck, shit, fucking hell. Um, but I think, it was, I think Nam was a great experience for us because, you know, it showed me that, right, okay, I need to invest more in myself as, you know, and see myself more as a business, which is why I invested in this fucking... This never-ending um, money pit that is this studio, um, but I'm feeling better about it because automatically by building the studio and like slowly, slowly people find out about it. The amount of contacts that I've had already, like I know I've already got artists that are wanting to come in this studio when it's finished. The Atmos room, I've had like two Scottish guys already be like, "Paul, would I be able to rent it out and stuff like that?" And I think it's this studio has kind of just given me the what I would class as the eyeballs is giving me the exposure and people automatically are taking me a little bit more serious now. I think for a long time I had this whole like, yeah, Paul third, like home hobbyist, like Paul home hobbyist third. Um, and th- I mean, those guys must be absolutely spewing <laughs> with a studio. I mean, I've got a, like a treated live room. I've got like a fully functioning Atmos room, which will be finished. I'll, I want to say in two weeks because there's something very, very important coming for that room that I can't speak about. I'm under NDA. I can't talk about it. But it's really, really exciting. And um, I've got a really good relationship with Carly now, who, um, oh, I'm getting the INUNF, the ultra near field for my control room. If, for anybody that doesn't know, the ultra near fields um, is a very, very interesting concept. Whether it works or not, I don't know, but I'll wait till I get it. But essentially, you've kind of... They, it's still Basically, it's a three-way. It's not a 2.1. Everybody thinks it's a 2.1 because they're like, oh, well, the sub comes separate. But it's still technically 
a three-way technically. Um, so you've kind of got the base port at the back and then you've got these two satellites um, that sit very, very close to you on the desk and they're pointed up, which they say means that it takes the desk into consideration in terms of its acoustic performance and because it's closer to you, um, the room doesn't play, have as much of an impact. Of course it still has an impact. Every room has an impact. Anybody that tells you that there's a speaker system out there that means that you don't need acoustic treatment is bollocks. It's co- acoustic treatment comes first. Uh, having said that, the Ex Machina Pulsars are the closest thing I've heard to headphones in a speaker. Really? Yeah. The, the, the influence of my room was negligible. Oh, that's interesting. With those, it was it was. But that was a lot of money, wasn't it? How much were they? Uh, they're like nine and a half grand or something. <laughs> right. so. you, you can buy a set of those oh, yeah, next totally, yeah. <laughs> um And then I've got, I'm hoping, I'm, I think I've maybe wangled a pair of um, PreSonus Eris Studio 8s because I've got on my desk, I've got like a space for um, two monitors. So I'd have the ultra near fields and then I would have um, another reference point. And, you know, I think what I've learned is that as much as it's, it kills me spending so much money, and again, all the mics that I've managed to get from a lot of mic manufacturers like Jay-Z, Austrian Audio, this OC818, which I cannot believe is the best mic I've ever heard on my voice. The more you invest in yourself and the more you see yourself as a business, the more it will help your career. Because at the end of the day, your job is to try and attract clients. And this studio has already attracted clients. There's a very, very, very big project that I can't talk about. But like I'm talking, this is this could be a career starter for me. This could be genuinely somebody handing me a, like a very big project and being like, Paul, right, there you go. And I could say that I've worked with quite a few big Scottish names and that's as much as I'm going to give away. Oh, yeah. Um, if that comes off, that's going to be massive. unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 you. and again, yeah. that's why we were talking about the gas and stuff and about should I buy a U87 because and it, even like, again, having the 1073, my version of the 1073 and the control room and stuff and Ed's um, investment in analog gear and stuff that as much as sometimes you'll be like geeky, sciencey Paul Third will be like, oh, I don't need it. In terms of, you know, the psychological benefit that it gives you and the way that a customer feels. Like, again, I've been at NAM and I've seen, you know, like 50-year-old men like turn into like like eight-year-old children at a toy shop when they've seen that. Uh, remember the Fairchild? It was the Hairchild. And even me, a little bit, when I seen all the tubes in the back, I, I turned into this purple. I was like, oh my God, look at all those tubes in the back. Oh my God. Um, and you know, I, I think the Audioscape 6A, which they've just released, only just recently, I think that took the biscuit for the, uh, I think that's got, is it 18 yeah, tubes? Yeah, it's crazy. That took the biscuit for the uh, the most impressive piece of analog yeah. gear there. Besides, obviously, the, you know, the mix. And I think that that's um, something that, as much as, you know, I was, I wanted to be somebody that was, yeah, look at what I could do. You could do this in a home studio. You could make records from your bedroom, which you can. But the more you get into the industry, the more you realise that, you know, a lot of artists, you know, like if you, especially if you want to record artists, you need, you need your own place, you know what I mean? And a lot of how you are perceived in the industry, unfortunately, is, you know, has an impact on your artists. And, you, and I'm not going to lie that the amount of people that have gotten in touch with me and the amount of people that want to see this studio in Scotland is unbelievable. And it's not even finished yet. I, I'm starting to finally get that traction. It's just a shame that we have to invest sometimes stuff that I feel that we don't really need. But the more you invest in yourself, I think the more that artists and those in the industry notice that. Not that you have to pay your way in, but 
Yeah, I feel better in myself. See, having the studio, a lot of this imposter syndrome is now gone for me. I don't know about you, Ed, when you moved into that studio that you've got now when you were in your bedroom, even though you somehow always managed to make it look like you had your own fucking studio because you're a fair master of lighting. I still kind of go over that, man. I say every time when Ed was like, yeah, so no, no, I'm moving. No, nobody uh, could. And it's my bedroom. And I think everybody was like, yeah. you did that from your bed. How did you make that look? People used to come around to my flat and be like, what? <laughs> how? How have, you, how have you made this look like a professional studio? Your bed's there. Uh, funny story, I probably shouldn't say this, but I will because it's funny. Back in the day, in the early days of the studio, um, in between lockdowns when I was single, uh, I'd been shooting all day with the cameras and the lights up. And I went out and I met this lady. And um, she ended up coming back to mine, walks into Talk. my room, sees the bed <laughs> and sees all the cameras and the lights and has a very concerned look on her face and i was like oh no no sorry <laughs> quickly stripped it down and uh off, yeah you don't don't need to the rest but i just thought it was a funny ed story after dark. Um, yeah that, that's actually what uh, that's what ed's patreon thorn is hub all, that's what ed's patreon is all about <laughs> it's got a secret patreon nobody knows about <laughs> well youtube doesn't make enough no, money so not. thorn hub can make some money with it DistroKid hosts a range of visually engaging social media promotion tools to help your release stand out from the crowd. Creative and colourful social media cards incorporate your artwork to help your release stand out. These are free to download and can be highly effective promoting your release. DistroKid also offer mini videos which are free, short, customizable videos incorporating your artwork and a short clip of your track. And if this wasn't enough, DistroKid also have a tool to create a Spotify canvas generator, which is the video that plays in the background when you're playing a song on Spotify. Simply choose a theme and choose from dozens of different creative artwork concepts. These are free to use and great for engaging your audience, available on DistroKid. For an additional subscription of $8.25 a month, you can get your music videos distributed to Apple Music, Vivo and Tidal, and you'll keep 100% of your royalties. With DistroVid from DistroKid. I'll tell you what I learned in NAMM, and that is the... I don't think I learned it because I don't think I've fully <sighs> developed this or, or figured this out yet, but just how the Americans are so good at selling yeah, themselves. Totally, yeah. Compared to British people. It, we are, culturally, we are leagues apart in that, in that area. We're allergic to compliments. Yep. We're self-deprecating. And, you know, Americans, shout out to any Americans listening, because we do love you. You know, you are probably 50% of my audience on YouTube. And I have family over there who I, I love dearly. The, the, the interesting thing is, though, if someone in the UK says, oh, are you any good? We'll be like, yeah, you know, yeah, more right. right, yeah. You know, right. Yeah, we'll just, but that's, you know, anyone who's English knows that that means, right, yeah. they're the fucking <laughs> shit. You know, that person's <laughs> seriously good if they've just labeled themselves as all right. But in America, the response will be, Oh yeah, this guy's only all right. Yeah, yeah, no, forget about him. You know, he's 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 not worth mm. talking to. And maybe that was just the, the vibe in LA. But um, maybe that's you know a projection I'm putting out. But um, the difference in in marketing oneself and is, it's so important is huge. And and we can definitely learn something. Even I think see guys. the one for me was when we met Sanjay and Darte. See Darte, oh my god, like she is like a master of just like networking like i remember oh, like me being yeah. like like i have asperger's and i'm sitting there at this apogee event 
like going, oh my god, like fucking swallow me up. I'm like clinging on to Ed, like like he's my like he's my carer. I'm like, oh my god, don't don't leave me, please don't leave me. But bear in mind, everyone listening for some context. Paul and I had known each other for maybe two years before then. We'd done a couple of seasons of the podcast under Produce Like a Pro, uh, but we'd never actually nope. met. So Paul then gets the train down to London, stays at mine uh, for the first time, and and you know Paul's very open about his autism. So I had my concerns and speaking to him I'd, i was you know i'd got to know him to an extent and i was like oh this could go one or two ways so we were in a, in la and i very i kind of knew how i was gonna have to do the the kind of chaperoning role, and greet, literally yeah. for the first for the first kind of 30 seconds and then paul just opens up relaxes and then his charming and endearing character comes out and everyone loves him so there, there were moments when i could tell you were nervous but yeah, then you went on and, and smashed it. But Sanjay and Darty are have got to be the two loveliest yeah, people totally. on YouTube. Unbelievably friendly and welcoming and accommodating. But she is a net she's like Warren's wife, um Kesha. Yeah, totally. Just just networking gurus. Just they are out around the room speaking to everyone, getting contacts in and you know, making becoming best friends with everyone. Yep. Remarkable. That's a skill, man. That's an absolute skill. Yeah, it's uh networking doesn't come as naturally to british people i don't think as it does but didn't it amaze you like how weird it was to have people come up to you and actually be like so forthcoming and just be like man like i love your stuff you like the amount of people that came up to me and nam was like man you've really really helped me like like mate like i've learned so much from you and it's like you get such this positivity and it's like but we we, mean you had quite a few of them and i remember it was like i felt like just going in a ball and like going, oh my god I can't, I can't handle this but see after I got used to it it actually is very uplifting and it actually you know kind of reaffirms to me you know why we do what we do and you know why we you know try and you know educate the best way that we can again we don't go out there as a, as, as, as an authority you know I mean we're just out there you know trying to help in whatever way we can and kind of pick a niche in the industry and kind of help and again this podcast is and i would love to think that if we went to nam again which i do plan on doing not this year maybe next year that again we would we would have more and more people coming up to us now just with this podcast because i know that many people um have become fans through the podcast not again they might have maybe not watched me or yourself but they've kind of joined this and it's great to have you know almost a different community you know what i mean where we could offer something that's a little bit different to what's out there i still don't know of any other um podcast and audio that does what we do where we we show our flaws and we mix the same multi-tracks and we just like go out there and you know give our honest opinion in a safe environment and it is as hard we've spoken about it you know when you get feedback and you're your automatic, you know, reaction is to be like, shut the fucking phone down, throw your, <laughs> throw the phone against the fucking brick wall. But um, I think no, you and I do a very good job of not being defensive yeah, it's hard, and but being yeah, open to, you need you need open to criticism. Yeah, it, but it definitely took us us a long time to kind of navigate that, and it was a concern of mine doing the videos, knowing that yeah, we totally. would then be inviting, you know, comments from everyone. But so far, most people have been kind about it. And as, as we've discussed, we, we're both in a position now where we're open and receptive to comments, but also confident, becoming confident enough that we can listen to criticisms. And I definitely will take on board any, I'll consider every criticism and then make a decision whether I agree with it or, you know, if, if, if I've overlooked something or if I've got something wrong or, 
or if I just don't agree with it, which you know is is fine as well because everyone everyone has an opinion, and that's um, that's the beauty. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're we're creating a good audience. The, the response we get on the videos is very yeah. positive. A lot of people seem to be really enjoying the balance of a being honest and relatable with our journeys, picking the brains of the great people we've had on, and if you haven't checked out the interviews. Check them out because oh, every one of them is an Everyone. absolute gold miner of information, and we we are we are so privileged to be speaking to these people at, at, at length and asking them genuine, as Paul said earlier, things that we want to know, you know, and, and even off air, you know, that they're very kind and gracious enough to ask to answer individual questions about stuff. So, big shout out to all the guests, and also check out the mix episodes because that's kind of. Not the point of the podcast, but that is that us documenting our Johnny. journeys again, hopefully in a very relatable sense, because we are just like everyone. I mean, there's probably people listening who are far more advanced than we are thinking, who are these bellows? <laughs> um, but the idea is that we're creating something that everyone can relate to and hopefully sh- us sharing tips and techniques we'll help, yeah. helps other people. Um, we, and we do get feedback to that, um, to saying that all the time. Next year... We are planning on stepping it up at some point. We do want to push the, the educational side of it even further so you guys get more value out of it. And it's not just me and Paul waffling, slagging each other's <laughs> snare drum sounds off. Yeah, because I think that um, one thing that I knew a long time ago was that people are just nosy. And, and we're all nosy. Streaky, for example. Is, and he used to say when he was in Metropolis, he would just go and he'd go and look at everybody's settings and he was nosy, and that, we are naturally nosy. That's what you want to know what such and such is doing, and how they use certain things. And I realised that a big, a big problem with YouTube is you know many people only showcasing prob, uh, plugins that they're paid to do, or again, it's a brand new release and it's for the algorithm. When really your audience want to know the plugins that you use, or again, could be gear as well, but the tools that you use in an actual mix and how you use them. And a lot of the times it's the how that's the most important and the why. Again, what I hope, what we hope for next year is that we can show more of the how and the why instead of us just talking about our mixed breakdowns. We can actually properly break down certain elements and, f- and hone in on certain elements, you know, whether it be drums, whether it be getting a kick drum or if one of us has, you know, done something that we, we go, right, okay, that we, we did a, you did a really, really good job there let's maybe focus an episode on it and kind of use go to different mixes. It could be how just to get low end right in a mix. And me and Ed have got so many episodes and mix comparisons that we've done where we could say, right, that didn't maybe work there, but it did work there. What did we do on that? This is the plugins that we used. And that way, that's what you guys want to know. And you guys, girls, thems, these. With, with real-time audio examples. Yes. So uh, CPU power permi- permitting, yes. uh, the plan is to be able to stream out of our DAWs as we're talking and recording so you can hear us doing the processing and what I will hopefully be able to do we'll screencast as well hopefully but what I'll be able to do is maybe get a camera that I can use so you can see the analog gear working this is going to get get complicated very quickly, very. so I shouldn't promise <laughs> too much ahead of time because I know how much of a headache this stuff can be already but I'll tell you what I would like to do is shout out the Tape Notes podcast which is something I got into this year, if you're into how albums are recorded and produced, um, tape notes, explore classic albums in depth. And basically when I was at Strong Room on Saturday, 
talking about the Manic Street Preachers Your Love Is Not Enough single that Dave Erringer recorded. I felt like a live tape notes episode and he was running through his desk mix that he'd done and what processing. Unbelievable. One of the benefits of Control Room Facebook group if you're interested and the plug-in discounts you guys can get from there are unbelievable. It's £5.50 a month but it's worth it just for the plug-in discounts and for events like Saturday. Anyway, we should probably shouldn't shout, probably shouldn't plug too many other channels. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, totally. we, need be, we need to be plugging our own mixing <laughs> careers here. You're at my studio, my, my studio. Yep. I, I want to um, record more artists next year, I think, because I do see that as a vessel for getting mixed yeah, work. Yeah. A lot of the producers are doing it. I'm, I'm running into producers in London. I'm working kind of vicariously with a few producers that I'm getting mixes from and um, hearing the mixes they're doing and it's an interesting arena the mm-hmm. scale of ability and I know I've got the gear and I've got the engineering know-how to get really good sounds here now again going back to the gear it's the confidence that I can walk in here and I've got one of the baddest monitoring setups I can get now <laughs> if he does so see himself <laughs> it's, it's a nice feeling I still have to pinch myself and hopefully it will pay off, and, and it is paying off because it's it's helping my ears get better. Yeah, and 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 at the end of the day, make me get we hope, and again, this is probably the best way to end, is that you know this is a journey. This is what me and Ed wanted to do this podcast for was to document our journey, and I can't wait to again this time next year listen back to this and reference that and compare that, you know, to where we go next year. I'll have my studio finished. I'll have artists in here recording. Are you sure about that, Paul? <laughs> I will. I'm telling you, I will. The Atmos room will be finished. And, you know, it'll be interesting to hear, you know, how my career is and, you know, what my opinions are and how my career develops as well as Ed's, you know, at the end of next year when, you know, we've had this year of just... This year, to me, has been the biggest learning block for me. I have learned so, so, so much this year. Um, and I think Ed yeah. has as well. 100%. Yeah. And, you know... And we've both improved an absolute time, shitload. Yeah. Now, we're still comparing ourselves to Spike yeah. Stent and Manny and <laughs> all those guys on a day-to-day basis, which is brutal. That's probably a whole other episode, but yeah, we, 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 have, we have got there. Um, in terms of what you're going to do next year, I think my I want to record more people, mix more people. I might back off on YouTube a little bit, but I will always mm. have a presence because it is good fun and we do learn loads. Um, my fear is that in a year's time, I'll still be in the same position right, okay. that I'm in now, having transitioned from selling the sound business and gigging, uh, which I'm loving and doing quite a bit of now, uh, again, which is great. But mixed client-wise, my fear is to be in the same boat. I don't think you will be. I've got high hopes that with the amount of networking that, that you did this year, um, and again, I know that you'll continue to do that networking, and I think that you will grow it to a point where it'll just happen. You know what I mean? I think... For you, Ed, you've just kind of got to keep you know, your your head screwed on and just rem- be patient, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, good things come to those who wait. Yep. And I do think, again, you've invested so heavily in your monitoring, which is so important. And I do think it'll come good for you. I think if you keep on networking, we keep on doing what we're doing here, you will be in a place where you'll be able to sit back and, you know, hopefully sit there and go, you know what, YouTube is an option to you. You know, instead for me, it's like I need to keep on doing YouTube because... It helps pay my bills and I know that it is helping me, you know, still kind of trying to get my name out there. It would be great for us both to be in a position where we could just do this podcast and we can bin YouTube all together if we really wanted to. And if we would just do it, you know, as a hobby, 
And I have all the faith in the world in that me and Ed are going to be able to, especially at the end of next year, be in a position better than where we are now. We've came, you know, leaps and bounds from where we were at the start of this year. But I do have faith in the two of us and I do have faith in this journey. I have faith in this podcast. I have faith in what we're doing. And I do genuinely believe that come at the end of the year, um, we will have so much great experience, whether it be working with clients, uh, recording, me with the Atmos studio, again, um, Ed, even just gigging. Again, you might actually get yourself like a really, really like amazing gigs, which will then lead you to even more potential clients. That's maybe something you should maybe think more about because I remember Andres was telling me that when we were in London, when he was in gigs, he would use gigs as a method of like, you know, getting like so many different artists in that you could be gigging and saying, right, who else is playing tonight? Or just speaking to people and going, by the way, here's my portfolio. I've got the studio. And again, just push yourself. And again, maybe for us, and again, I've been speaking to my counselor and therapist and stuff still that, and she's been saying to me, you know, Paul, you've got such an amazing network use it like i know it's difficult for you paul and i know like again we're british it's the way we are but you know use it again if these people are contacting you and i've we me and ed have got such amazing people that have contacted and reached out to us you know use it i mean they're telling you no i really like what you do i like you as a person i like your stuff you know what i mean anything you need give us a shout and i'll help you and that's what i've been trying to do recently is reach out to more people and just you know they're reaching out a hand and i'm like okay it's time to grab it. Positive vibes, Ed, for next year. I've got full belief in me and you. And I, I'm really looking forward to next year and what it brings. So do I, yep. mate. I think you're going to be very successful with the studio. It's also occurred to me that I could be the uh, the drummer for a lot of artists because yep, they totally. can't record drums. Drums are the one thing you 100%. have to record in a room. I can do that here and I really don't make the most out of it and then I can produce the rest of the tracks and then mix it. So I think that's You need I'm a gonna... business card. You need to go to gigs and just have like an Ed Thorne business card like when we were in LA and everybody was like, everybody had a fucking business card in LA. No, it was QR codes, oh, yeah. wasn't it? On the phone. Fucking hell. QR codes. Just get on my Instagram, mate. <laughs> just DM me, right? Yeah. So yeah, Ed, I would say, yes, it's definitely been an emotional year, hasn't it, Ed? It's definitely been an emotional year. In more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, thank you so much for everybody that's tuned in this year and everybody that will continue to tune in. We genuinely are going to do everything that we can to make this podcast as good as it can be and maximise every opportunity and get even more guests on. Again, make the mix um, breakdowns and the mix comparisons even better. Positivity moving forward. Guys, thank you for listening. Just like to reiterate what Paul said. Thank you for the support. Please keep commenting sharing the podcast, sharing the love. Thank you, DistroKid, for supporting us as well so we can make this happen for everyone. It's been emotional. Thank you, Paul, as well, for being an awesome friend and co-host, YouTuber and mix uh, spa partner, spa should we partner. say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still prefer my snare sounds. <laughs> not in the last mix, I've not though. pissed him not off in the yet. last mix. He's not he walked like... out. No, no, yes, true, yeah, true. I, was... I learned. True. Right, I've waffled too far. It's been emotional. Thank you, everyone. See you and soon. And for everybody, happy new year as well. Again, I hope you all have a great um, new year. Get pushed. Hey, have a good one.